So I sometimes think about random acts of kindness and how sweet and neat they are. One time our church at Seacoast, we actually did a whole month of encouraging everyone to just do random acts of kindness. And it was super cool, man, seeing the stories. And I think it's funny how sometimes we won't do that kind of stuff unless we're part of an organization that's encouraging it. I want to try to put these random acts of kindness in my regular flow. And yet, oh, I don't. I don't. I want to. I want to start trying. Anyway, I don't know if this qualifies as a random act of kindness when you consider the context. So there was a guy that was in front of me in the gas station and he was trying to buy a pack of cigarettes and yet his credit card was not working and he kept kept trying over and over and over and over and finally he's getting frustrated. He's kind of looking around. He's seeing the line build up and I said, hey man, I got you. And so I took his little carton of cigarettes. I put it with my Gatorade included it as a part of my bill and went on my merry way. I don't know. I guess you could say it's a random act of kindness, but I basically helped him continue his addiction to smoking that will eventually lead to lung cancer and his death. I just don't know. I just don't know. (laughs) Hey, so Andy Squires here, man, golly, I I mean it when I say this is one of the most encouraging conversations I've been a part of in a long time. Someone who who comes from the same place I come from, loves the same people that I love, thinking the same things that I'm thinking, and oh my gosh, it really felt like kindred spirits. I, you know, if I have a soul brother that I don't really know that well, it's this guy. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed it. And I love y'all very much. Check out the show notes if you want to help out with our opportunities to assist people in developing countries through Donor C. You can check out the project. I hate saying project. The opportunity that we actually just tackled together as a patron family. Would love to have you a part of the Pastor With No Answers patron family. There's an exclusive podcast only for you that you get to have. And we're going to be rolling out a lot of cool perks coming up soon. So get in now. Grandfather yourself in because things are about to change. Things about to get live. Peace out. God bless. Have a good, 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 good day. Here is my harvest of heartbreak. Here is my threshing of tears. I'd give you my dream, but I lost it. Down in the locust years. Still praises the song that I'm singing Even though sorrow's my tune My love is only a whisper now But nothing is wasted with you So Andy, our history is not much. I remember John Mark touching bases with me, telling me about you and you have been on this podcast, but it has been your song. And I am actually, so a little backdrop on me. I am a pastor at a church called Seacoast. It would, I think, 
qualify as an evangelical church. Behind the scenes, I think it would probably not necessarily, but on the outside, it is. And I would say, technically, it is. I have changed so much in my faith, and uh, thankfully, I still have a place at Seacoast. Now, behind the scenes, I actually have started an online community in which there's tons of people like me who see things totally different. Now, you've got uh, a, a couple of gay Christians. You've got a couple of people who Christianity is their context, but they don't believe anymore. But it is just a, a loving community. It is, I would say, Christian because the vast majority of people in there are Christian, but it just, oh man, it, it, it feels really good. All that to say, it has been a very painful process of all of the changing and all of the doubting and all the questions. And I feel like I'm on the other side of that pain and, and kind of like in a, in a good season. But I'm telling you, when I, <laughs> not to swell your head, uh, sir, but when I read stuff like you put on Instagram, those sorts of things are just I, I'll go so far as to say healing, um, mm. just so encouraging because I think that I will oftentimes, well, I, I tell you what, let me, let me shut up for a second. And I would love to take this, this post on your Instagram kind of like section by section and just you and I just talk about it, man. That's I would great. just, I would love that. But, yeah. be but before we do that, I am curious, like what, how long have you been doing your music? Cause I had never heard of you until John Mark let me know about you. And I actually, before this interview just started listening, I think to your most recent album, like how long you been doing music? Uh, a long time, but I've only, I've only touched a nerve you know, enough to be, you know, kind of hit that breakthrough. Yep. Uh, since 2015, I came out with a record called Cherry Blossoms that really, um, it may, it, it was a record that did a lot of work for me on its own. I didn't have any marketing budget, but it just kind of made its way through uh, the world. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've been making a lot of music for a lot of time, mostly in the context of like Christian music. Mm -hmm praise and worship music, but it wasn't until I kind of took a hard turn towards just saying whatever I wanted to say that right. I, you know, really started to gain some momentum in that world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did, did you go through a similar experience than what I just described? Like, did you start super evangelical, traditional? I, I hate all these descriptors. No, but it's great. Have yeah, you changed in your faith also? <sighs> Yes, I, 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 I certainly have, but I, I can't say that I ever went through a, a, a true deconstruction, sure. although I, I can very much respect that process. Right. Um, I think, I think for me, um, I, I can't ever remember a, a time where, uh, the, the possibility of not believing in God anymore was something that I ever really entertained. Right. But there were definitely hard moments in my relationship to God or with God, or however you want to say that. Sure. Where the, the, the reality of my reality was not, uh, well, well, my theology 
when confronted with my re- reality could not endure any longer. Right. So I, I definitely had to work hard to find, to, to, to reform my, my belief system. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with all of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, man. All right. So I, do you consider yourself a prophet, by the way? <laughs> You're probably thinking to yourself, I just threw something out on Instagram, but it's it's just, it was profoundly. And, and what's crazy is I, I hadn't been following you on Instagram. It was actually someone in the community that I described to you that yeah. put that out. We were on an app called Band. And so it's, it's almost mm. like our own personal Facebook group with, with some bells and whistles and someone yeah. put it out there. And I am so glad that I saw it because I can't keep up with all the conversations when I read it. I mean, sure. I think I reached out to you right away and I was like, dude, yeah. this, this is this, it, you're speaking my love language. This is where I'm at. And this is, yeah. this is the sort of stuff that I'm wrestling with too, man, because the church that I'm a part of, there are things that I really, really, really disagree with. Yeah. And I don't want to leave. That's my family. That's, yes. that's my family. I've been with them for 20 freaking years. And it's like, I'm, I'm wrestling and accepting the fact that there are going to be things, important things, big things that we're going to disagree big time on. I mean, I'm talking conviction things. And I think Joey, the Joey Spenson five years ago would feel almost like I'm not operating with integrity Mm -hmm. to continue there. Whereas now it's like I'm in this place where, and and your Instagram posts just put words into it. It's like none of us are seeing even close to clearly that like we weren't made to like that. That's why Isaiah says his thoughts and ways are just higher than ours. Like none of us <laughs> are seeing yeah. things clearly, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that is, that is the issue that we have with the evangelical church, right. isn't it? Right? right. So, so here, here's, here's something I I'm, I'm in process with all this. So forgive me if I come across as like not having thought through all of this. No, nah, that's fully. what this podcast is for, man. We think out loud and we get in trouble for it sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I, what I, what I view happening, like, let's just take, let's just take deconstructionism yeah. for a second. Like right. that, that is so ubiquitous at this point. It's almost laughable. So when something that is that widespread, you have to ask yourself, is there more going on here than we've, we've even realized? And, right. and I think that uh, there's been this like convergence of, of uh 200 or maybe 150 years of evangelical practice that has lost its luster, but combine that with the onset of the technological revolution of the last 20 years, where the smartest guy in the room is no longer the guy standing behind the pulpit. You know, what we ended up with is people asking questions because, well, you know, I mean, they just, they started experiencing that. I mean, one of the most common stories that I received as a young Christian was that if you, if you do well by God, God will do well by you. And you, like, if you pray and have enough faith, God will hear your prayers, answer your prayers. And, um, and that just never, 
held, was able to hold any water. And so at that point you have to go, you have to ask yourself the question, well, are these people even telling me the truth? And then, so you start reading books that are outside of your little tribe and you start reading philosophers and whoever, you know? And so, um, I mean, I think that that's the water that we're all swimming in and, and evangelical kids like you and me, we have, a we have our own special set of anxiety that we carry that is connected to our eschatology. Right. You know, it's like, whatever we view the end will be is, is speaking so loudly to us, you know? Right. So I, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. Well, you said a little while ago that you wouldn't, I, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly how you articulated it, but that you wouldn't describe your process as, as, as deconstructing. Did you say that? Yeah. What'd you mean yeah. by that? I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, I don't think I ever really considered uh, I don't know. I've never, I've never stopped being an evangelical. Like right. I've never, I've never, it's, I mean, that's such a incendiary term. It's sure. a pejorative term at this point. And I've never really, that's never bothered me. I mean, like yeah. with all the weird stup- stupidity that we see elevated in, in, you know, Protestant Christianity these days, it's like, I, I still kind of believe in the basic tenets yeah. and, and I've, I've just not, I've not found another version of life. I mean, I'm very attracted to Eastern Orthodoxy, but I don't want to sit in church for three hours looking <laughs> at icons and swinging sensors, right, you know, like, right. so yeah. Yep. Yeah, my brother who edits this actually just converted to Eastern Orthodoxy, and yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's interesting. I I had some guys on here from a old school tooth and nail band, Luxury. Like oh, all, I know them well. Yeah, yeah. yeah all those yeah. guys, and yeah, I, it was it, the episode was East, Eastern Orthodoxy, and I'm I'm definitely wanting to have an Eastern Orthodoxy part two because yeah, tons of questions are are yeah, that's uh, golly man, that's 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 good stuff. It's uh. It is a, it's, it's been a season, man. It, it really has. It's so I, I love what you said as far as you don't consider yourself not an evangelical. I think for me, it's, I know what people think of as an evangelical and what they kind of define it. And it's, it's super subjective, but I know what typically people think about evangelicals. I know I'm not that. But yep. I also don't feel like I need to, I, I certainly, I, and I'm fine with it. Not, not that it matters what I'm fine with, but I understand the ex-evangelical movement. I get it. And I even yep. support the fact that some people just went through such horrible stuff that they're like, man, I'm severing ties and I'm ex-evangelical. I get all that. I don't feel the need personally yeah. to have that sort of label because bottom line is for the... I, I would say I'm friends with tons of Christians, at least half, if not 60% are straight up evangelicals. And that's fam. (laughs) Yeah. That is fam for me, you know? Yeah. 
So let me let me read the first little portion. And I actually wrote down some notes on just kind of how I've reflected on this stuff. But mm-hmm. it says the good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God is always given by people who only partially understand it. And it is received by people who probably know a little less. The preaching of the gospel is the active work of displaying our partial understanding or in parentheses, our misunderstanding of God to those who also have only partial understanding. There's no systematic theology or statement of belief which provides ultimate understanding of God. It is not possible to understand the gospel, but it, and and if I copied any of this stuff uh, wrong, tell me, it is uh, not possible to understand the gospel, but is never accurate to claim to have all understanding it, or it is impossible no, it's it, it's not impossible to understand the gospel. There you go. Yeah, but it is never accurate to claim to have all understanding of it. All communication of Christ is the communication of our limited understanding of Him, or in other words, it is the bold proclamation of our misunderstanding. The communication of the gospel, whether by word or deed, can in no way happen perfectly because the God story can only come through imperfect vessels with limited understanding. And then I'll, I'll stop here. This is the brilliance of God and is a testimony to his reliance on patient love rather than on control. His good news always travels by imperfect means and yet it never stops producing. So I have expressed this tons of times on this podcast and just how when I hear people, first of all, that claim to be a, a authori- authorities in God's word, on God's word and how God works. And when people point to other people as, oh, yeah, you know, that, listen to that guy, he's, it just, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. It actually sounds very foreign when people say, God, God does this and no, God does that and God won't bless that. And that wasn't God. And God clearly is doing such and such. The Bible clearly says, Here's how the Bible works. It all all of that sort of terminology is just it's just so foreign to me. But I think that humans' tendency, it's like we need, or or let me let me say Christians, evangelicals, maybe, like we need some sort of concrete when it comes to stuff that's super important. And not only do I I feel like we need this concrete, but many of us were brought up in a context where you, you were given that, Hey, this is how things are like they, you, you were taught that this was needed, but now I'm at a place at 43 years old, reflecting all of it. And I don't even, I don't think that's possible. So I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm judging people that are still in that mentality. And I would even say I could be wrong and they could be right. But I just don't think that it's possible. I don't think systematic theology is possible, or at least an objectively right one. And if there is, I don't think that we know it or or can find it. Yeah, I I think that is the brilliance of God in in that he's he set this whole thing up so that there are things that can be known. And that there are things that cannot be known. Right. So, you know, that just to address something you said earlier, it's like the human beings, the majority of us are driven by fear. We're driven by anxiety. Right. 
And a lot of that fear and anxiety comes from our God story. So whatever version of the God story we heard, uh, we're, we're either responding to work to keep that fear at bay right. or trying to work to please God, or we're deconstructing. We're trying to free ourselves from that version of God and yet keep some form of belief in God because somewhere in our hearts, we, we get a sense that God is real. Um, and I, and I think that in our work to organize, like people, people flourish in organization. That's why we need that abstract stuff. right? Right. So somewhere along the line, we just got this idea that we needed to take all of God and reduce him down to these few tenants that we ascribe to give mental assent to, and then somehow practice toward, you know? Right. And I think that's all really well and good. As long as whoever is developing these thoughts and ideas can acknowledge their own bias. I think that's in a lot of ways, human beings in their work to keep fear at bay, think they're being virtuous or strong when they don't give an outward verbalization or articulation of the, the idea like, but it's possible that I don't have the full story yet. Right. You know, and I would say that one of the things one of the reasons why I'm speaking like I am or writing like I am currently is because growing up around fundamentalist or dispensationalist or charismatic evangelicals, there was such a emphasis put on certainty and being right. But, but there's on the flip side of that, I've, I've seen on the, in the deconstructionist camp, a resistance towards ever being able to know anything at all, right. which I think is, is equally a mistake. Right. So the question isn't, or, or it, it, it's, it's not that there's nothing about God that can be known. Cause I think that through the life of Christ, yeah. there's all kinds of things that we can actually land on. Yep. And, um, I would say that the reason for my initial post that you responded to is that in my observation of the landscape, what I see is everybody, no matter where they are on the spectrum of, of from fundamental fundamentalist belief to ex-evangelical, it's like everybody is generalizing and categorizing. Right. That's what we're doing. We generalize people and we generalize movements so that we can categorize them so that we can quickly understand and so that we can quickly build our strategy of yeah of either discounting them or or just knowing how to deal with them at all right and i think that is what christ actually came to set people free from all the things i've done i cannot If nothing else is true
and and probably in my posts i'm probably talking more to my friends in the deconstructionist yeah. movement right because because i i feel that they haven't been a hundred percent honest with themselves in their own critique of their critique yeah you know, yep. and I and I think if you're going to offer a critique of the evangelical movement, it can never be only that all of those people over there are bad. That right. can never be because that's not the full story on any individual, much much less group of people. Right. And so, I I I feel like what I'm attempting to do is at least carve a conversational space where you know folks can just kind of like say yeah this conversation might not be as cut and dried as anybody thought that it was right and and could you know because i i do feel this i do feel this from my more i would i don't know this is a terrible word to use but my more progressive or left-leaning theological friends yeah there's a rising tide of self-righteousness in those camps that I feel where if somebody doesn't adhere, it's, it's like the new fundamentalism. If you don't adhere to this new set of ideas, icons, images, and beliefs, then you're not worthy of grace either. Right. Absolutely. And so that's, Absolutely. I think that's the pitfall that all of us in this conversation should be working to avoid. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I was talking a second ago about systematic the- theology, like it, it occurred to me that I, I believe in absolute truths. So I would say I believe in very concrete systematic theology. I just don't believe we're anywhere close or can ever be close. And I love how you brought up Jesus. And so I think, yes, that is what we can know about God. But for people to go any further in formulizing God, I'm like, did Jesus help you understand how God always existed? Yeah, right. (laughs) Because I look at Jesus's life and I'm still like, how the hell did God always exist? And if if that's not what happened, and I do believe that it is what happened, then how did everything come from nothing? How is there an impersonal universe that's always existed? So that and and that's what that's what I don't get. It's like, how can you systematize something where the very first step none of us can grasp? Like it, yeah. it would seem to make sense to just let that be a common thread throughout all of our thinking is okay, wait a second. We don't even understand God's origin or lack of. <laughs> we yeah. can't even wrap our mind around that for crying out loud, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's uh let me let me ask you this though. You you use terminology. I'll I'll actually read it again. The preaching of the yeah. gospel is the active work of displaying our partial understanding or misunderstanding. What would be your partial understanding? If someone said, Andy, what is the gospel? Uh well. That that's a work in progress for sure. me, and and what I'm <laughs> so 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 at some point it was it was ask Jesus into your heart like right. he, here's the gospel in a nutshell the world is bad and you are bad and 
And the whole goal is for you to not go to hell. And there's this God savior who came, shed his blood, died on the cross. And in order for you not to burn for all eternity in conscious torment, you got to give mental assent to this little thing yeah. and ask Jesus into your heart and then you'll be saved. Right. Um, and so I, I don't want to say that I, I don't believe that somebody can ask Jesus into their heart because I think, I think I did that. I, I think plenty of people do that and have an encounter with the living God and, live some version of the Christian life through that path. But, but I have the sense, I mean, first of all, you can't find that in the scripture. Right. Um, so, so wait, so I, there's I, no place where Paul walks someone through the sinner's prayer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the reason why I wrote those words was because I, I want to, ask people to lean less on what they're certain of and and call call folks into i don't know this like stumbling into the life of Christ and and you know it's 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 less about what you accurately believe and more like You've got this interpersonal relationship with this living God, and and it's not just in your heart and in your mind. It's not just in your internal world, but it's how you act on the outside and towards people. And so, you know, we can get into all kinds of different, uh, there, there, there are different systems of the way we think of salvation, yeah. what salvation actually is, you know. What what are the mechanics of somebody going from being unsaved to saved or unbelieving to believing? And yep. you know, yeah, much smarter people have answered those questions than, than yeah, I for am, sure, so. for sure. Yeah, I mean, our 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 listeners they know that I I'm I'm kind of in the camp of thinking that Jesus saved it, saved the day. Yeah. Like really, really saved the day. Like the good yeah. news is really, really good news. It's so good. Yes. Oh my gosh. And yes. a lot of people would say, yeah, but then what's the point of anything? And what's the point of telling people? And you know, if everybody's going to eventually be saved, it's like, look. Oh, that's, that's an easy, that's such an easy answer. Yeah. Well, let, I, let me I, hear what you would say. Cause I have an easy answer to that too. Well, the, the answer is why wouldn't you want to introduce someone to Jesus? Cause Jesus is so good. Exactly. Like exactly. to, to me, that, that is, that's the sign that people are missing the point of what this whole thing is because they're the, the transaction that they're imagining is, Oh, I say the sinner's prayer. That's my golden ticket to not burn in hell right. anymore. Right. Like that's God's ultimate aim is just to keep people from roasting for eternity. Like, yeah. man, that to me is a, a misrepresentation of what is really going on. Right. And the fact that I believe that that salvation there's 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 different meanings of that word and I and I think that for me right now because I have a little more of a, a Christ-centered universalistic uh, perspective what I see right now is people need that salvation right now 
Like mm-hmm. life is really, really, really hard, but it can also yeah. be really, really, really beautiful having yeah. hope and and knowing that things are 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 gonna be okay, knowing yeah. that God will never leave you and he never did leave you. Like yeah. those are the sorts of things where I'm like, man, if if people could accept that. I was I was talking to it's it's interesting because I've never even thought about this, but I was talking to an author, uh, Sarah Bessie, who would definitely be on the more progressive side. And and I never even thought about this, but I asked her, I said, Do you see people converting to Christianity from your very progressive evangelizing? And she's like, tons. And I, I don't even know what that looks like, Andy. Like I, yeah. I, I don't. I, I have never seen someone who had been introduced to the, the non-traditional you're in or you're out. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to burn. I've, I don't know anybody who's entered Christianity outside of those lenses. I don't even know what that looks mm. like, you know? Wow. That's amazing. But, yeah. What you were, when I was thinking on your post though, I even thought about this, man, what do you think about this? So uh, think about the fact that Jesus sent his disciples out to proclaim this truth, to pr- proclaim this freedom that could set the captives free. And yet when Jesus was crucified, they thought it was done. Like, yeah. so Jesus sent these guys out who didn't even really have an understanding of what the hell was going on like that. Yeah. Gosh, it just, I don't know. It, it's just so comforting to really start because Dude, I, I was I was in such bondage where I would read the Bible and I would see, oh, okay, so I'm saved through my faith. So anytime my faith wavered, I felt like my salvation was in jeopardy. Yeah. And I would try really hard to believe, but then something wouldn't make. And it was just, gosh, it was just tortuous. And yeah. it just, gosh, when you when you see the importance or, or or when you see the things that Jesus made the most important. And I would even go so far as to say the things that Paul saw as most important, it was faith working through love. It was loving yeah. God, loving others, loving yourself. Yeah. And that's been the biggest transition for me is, yeah. is not needing certainties anymore. And that freedom just goes so deep. I mean, it just mm-hmm. goes so be- at, at the very least, I would say the, the, the certainty part, it just it just doesn't work for me, but I'm close mm-hmm. to saying, like I said earlier, that I just don't think it it works. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it works. I do. I do think that there's some some real benefit to um, confession. You know, yes. so so for instance, uh, it, if if you put a gun to my head and said that I had to prove everything in the Apostles' Creed was 100% scientifically and historically accurate, well, I I would be a dead man because I couldn't do that. But there is a power, and this is all mysterious stuff, but there's there's a power and a communion and a grace that is dispensed among the saints of God who gather together and they confess things like the Apostles' Creed. Right. And that 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 God's story, that gospel story that has has disrupted the history of the world um, is such a story of goodness. And I think all of the tumults that we're seeing, all of the growing pains that we're seeing, whether it's in the 
Catholic church or the Protestant church, evangelical church, whatever, all of the tumult that we feel, I actually don't lose any sleep over it because right. I'm with you. I, I, I intrinsically trust that God is a good builder. He knows what he's doing. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe we're not getting smarter, but maybe we're, we're learning how to trust Jesus more. Maybe that onslaught of uncertainty where it's making some evangelicals wring their hands, it's really a gift of grace to us because it's destroying those idols of systematics that we've built. Right. You know, we, we have such a uh, dependence upon things like power and spectacle and, and influence. And we, we, we especially have seen that in the last two election cycles. Right. And, and I actually, uh, you know, you, you read the Barna report and you hear all the church growth experts talking about things like, Oh, the church is shrinking. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, that's one interpretation of those statistics yeah. It it could it could just be that things are shaking out and and God is doing something that like he always does he comes in ways that we never expect. Right. And and even when Jesus came it's like the the claims of heresy and demonic possession always followed Jesus everywhere he goes. And and you know even as there's some of us folks that are stretching past or beyond current standard evangelical theology, I would say that even as we stretch into new arenas, we should always stay soft-hearted and willing to, you know, consider where we could go wrong at times. Right. Right. Because it because in our awakening, in our reimagining the world it is just as possible for us to get something wrong as it was for our forefathers 50 100 years ago to do yeah and you know so i guess the overarching theme of my that particular post is for folks to stay soft towards one another stay tender towards one another and just if you're going to be exacting in anything, be exacting in grace and mercy, because it's really the only conduit for communication to be able to travel back and forth in. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 I think about you, you mentioned the Apostles Creed and I used to read the Apostles Creed and it was uh oh, do I really believe all of this? And oh, no, if I have any doubts. And, and now I'm like, first of all, I really do believe this, but it's more mm. of a, I get to believe this. Yeah. Like, I get to believe this. I, I, are you and John Mark friends? We are. Okay. So one, one of the, I mean, kind of in the same playing field as, as your Instagram post that we're t- using a whole episode to talk about. He put on Instagram, why do I believe in God? Mm. Well, many reasons, I guess, but my favorite might be that I find belief to be utterly delightful. I'm yes. obsessed. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. That just blew me away because him and I both came from, uh, well, 
I, his, his was a lot healthier, but, but I came from a, a place where believing it, there was the pressure was always on, man. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you, you're, it's, you're in a pressure cooker, man. You better keep yeah. believing. You better not be swayed. You better not let this person, you know, don't even listen to the atheists cause they could lead you astray. And yep. reading that post, it was like, wait a second, this is, this is freedom. Like I get yeah. to point to the apostles creed and say, you know what? I don't get all that. I don't, yeah. I, like you said, I can't prove it. I believe, mm -hmm. I do believe yeah. Mary was a virgin. Call me crazy, but I get to believe that. Yep. I get to believe that somehow Jesus was God, rose from the dead. And I get to believe that there was some sort of victory that was won. I don't exactly know what it was. I don't think it was victory to appease an angry father who sent his son to, yeah. to, to say, Hey, I hate these people. I hate their sin. They they're yep. going to depart from me. So you better fix that young man. Yep. You know, I don't believe that, but man, it's yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. So let me continue. It says, this isn't to say all presentations of the gospel are on equal footing or that we should never wrestle through theological systems of thought. We should always seek the face of Christ in order to see him better but we can trust that God's grace is sufficient at the point of our limited understanding. And we can rely on the fact that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So what you're saying is that there's a limit to your love, which is exactly what being a human being is all about. And, and I think that we, we all need to have this ongoing confession confession that life is complex mm -hmm. and people are complex. Yeah. And, and I mean, it sounds like you and I have had similar experiences through this last season that, you know, we've had friends part ways with us because we weren't on the Trump bandwagon, right? you know, and my, my first inclination is to write those people off generalize them and categorize them, you know, put them over there in that oh, crazy evangelical conspiracy theory loving, you know, but that that's to me going the grain of the world. That's it's going the way of the world. If, right. if, if we're going to go the opposite way of the world, it's actually, we're going to carry the weakness of our brother. We're going to carry the we the weakness of our sister who, maybe hasn't had the questions that we've had, or maybe hasn't had done the mental calisthenics that mm. we have had and, and didn't even know there was another question to ask. Right. How you described your relationship with that person as, as being, you walked a long way with these people. Like time was the thing that you've had with these folks. And um, I think one of the dangers of cutting off from people too soon is that you don't get to be present when they come to another conclusion at some point. Right. And that's not to say that there aren't times when we should cut off from people. Like right. there's plenty of toxic situations, there's plenty of toxic churches that gosh, we should just tell people to run away from as fast as you can, you know, yeah. but hopefully that, that circle is much wider than we originally had imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would even go so far as to say, what if they 
never come to a different conclusion. And what if they're right? As long as we're on as as long as we're on the same page of loving our enemies and believing in a resurrected Lord, I don't give a shit. Like, I really don't like I'm I'm just I'm done with either version of fundamentalism. Yeah. And 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 I, I keep saying it, but that's that's like your post just put into such beautiful words. Mm. So I want to I want to jump to the next part. And yeah, honestly, there there's I would say timidly some some pushback. And I, I want to hear your thoughts on on some of my thoughts. So yeah, you say, uh, so who is the preacher you don't like? What is the church mega church denomination that you have proclaimed judgment upon? I have my list. I am guilty of holding uh, court in my mind and pronouncing guilty verdicts on many different communities of faith who have come to different conclusions that I have. This is arrogance, which uh, which I think Christ came to set us free. I think I left that out in my typing, but which Christ came to set us free. So the arrogance that Christ has, has set us free, I just love that. And what I've been trying to do personally is just humanize everyone knowing yeah. that I'm on equal playing field of jacked upness yeah. with everyone. But yeah. I do believe that there are some practices, beliefs, approaches of the church that are wrong and should be talked against as long as we aren't making the the, the person or people that are a part of that not making them our enemy, not making that our target. So for instance, I am vehemently against uh, a Christian endorsed celebrity culture and how pastors carry themselves in that fashion. I'm not anti those pastors. I, I want to love someone like who I just think has completely lost his mind when it comes to the celebrity culture, but I want to see him as a person who for some reason is is thinking that this is the way to go. Maybe it's a mental illness. Maybe it is how he was taught. Maybe he's, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't want him to be the bad guy. And when I was a part of a, a, a podcast called Bad Christian, I was definitely falling into that. Like I became a different form of fundamentalism. It was yeah. like, these are the fakers. These are the yeah. people that are hidden. And I, uh, but, but what, what do you think about just the general concept of you and I should be against certain things, just maybe not the people? Yeah. Well, here's an interesting dynamic is that one of the critiques that I often give publicly is directed at the celebrity, uh, commercial vision, a commodification of Christianity that, that is unique to the 21st century American evangelical experience, okay? Um, And so what's so fascinating about that is that in the last 10 years, all of those that were wounded by that version of Christianity turned their wound into the same commodification. Like I've seen it over and over. It was like, the critique of the celebrity pastor turned into a book deal and a podcast <laughs> over here, you know? Right. And so that's why I'm like, listen, if you're going to call out in, in public critique of this ver- celebrity type over here, 
you've got to be fully honest about your endeavors to make a great living right. with your podcast, with your book deal, with your, um, you know, this is the problem. We're all swimming in the water of commodification of ideas. This, I, I do it. I have a, I have a Patreon. I, I've got this team of people who work for me to help me blast my music and right. my writing all over the planet. The reason is, is because I'm not trying to be poor. I want to make a living, right. you know? Uh, but, but what happens is, is that we've, the water's gotten so muddy that we've, we've, especially in my version of evangelicalism is the charismatic world. So yeah, me too, me too. In the charismatic world, assemblies of God and church of God, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we have changed the language to connecting favor and blessing and prosperity to all of these faith things that you can do to key into all of this fantastic, live your best life now type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh, I can't even remember what your original question was, but, but I am a hundred percent with you in that we must resist these, these things. I personally am actively doing that just by me being me. Like, like I, the music that I make is totally rejected by the subculture of Christianity. The, the, the words that I write and the things that I say for the most part, I am not invited to the party, you know? So there is a way of being that offers resistance to these powers that be right. And yet keeps you safe from becoming an angry, bitter filled bitterness filled person. Right. And, and, and I, I think the way of that is constantly realizing that, well, I'm good at words. I'm good at music. I, I can derive energy from doing podcast interviews and getting a thousand likes on a Instagram post in the same way those celebrity pastors are deriving energy from the lights and the million right. people that watch them streaming. Right. So I have to constantly be kind of like submitting my, this is the work that I do. This is the labor of my hands. I submit that work or that labor unto the Lord and say, you know, Lord, keep, I, I want your meekness to flow out of me. I right. want meekness to be a, an overwhelming virtue working in my life because, you know, it's, it's that Jesus story where he's talking about the two guys that are praying. There's the, there's the Pharisee and there's the tax collector. And the the Pharisee's prayer is thank you for not making me like that guy over there. And the tax collectors saying the exact opposite. Yeah. So I think the safe way for us to be actively resisting power is to be praying like the tax collector. Yeah. You know, always assuming yeah. that, um, well, I, I mean, I want to be careful of this because I don't necessarily want to tell people that they need to walk around assuming the worst of themselves because I don't right. do that 
I don't do that by any means. Right. But I think I think there's a strength that comes through humility. Like like we can say we can say it. I mean, you brought him up. I don't, I don't know the man. He's always my (laughs) go-to. Sure. He's an easy target. It's like low hanging fruit. I totally get it. I have other versions of that, but, um, but like to, to, uh, to have the spiritual practice of keeping him as a human being who who has a complex history the same way that we all do. And that's, that's not to dismiss him from any accountability that he may need in his life. You know, um, I just think, uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. No, 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 for sure. No, it makes, it, it, it definitely, it makes a lot of sense. And I tell you what, it's, it's been super freeing. I mean, I, I even, I, I was even falling into patterns of thought of, none of us are cap- none of us are capable of any good and it's like what kind of yeah. god would make people that are not capable of good for crying right. out loud i mean it right. was just becoming kind of a a really yeah. really un- unhealthy thing yeah all right wrapping this thing up in the church we are witnessing a massive leaving church movement and i can actually see the justification for it but i worry that there is no place to go because here's the actual truth. Hypocrisy abounds everywhere. And that that's a very freeing thought. I, that's, it's a profound revelation that I, that I've been having. It's like, I'm wired up so differently from many of the people that I do ministry with. And I see so many things that I, I don't like, but we're family. Yeah. What am I going to do? Leave my family and start all over right. only to find a different family that has hypocrisy, just maybe right. in a more, I, I don't know, an easier one for me to digest. And what does that say yeah. about me? If one form of hypocrisy is easier for me and yeah. it's even reflective of my blood family. I love my mm. blood family. I grew mm. up with these cousins. I I, I was on the shoulder I, of, of these uncles spoiled by these aunts. And I don't care how big of Trump supporters they are. And sometimes I feel like, I mean, you know, some of my family in January still thought that God was going to make sure somehow that Trump was still the president. I don't yeah. want to leave that family. Like, yeah. I, I, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if, if, if the body of Christ truly is family, that, that has just meant something differently to me and i'm and i'm not saying that no one's ever justified to to leave their church family not i'm not saying that but i but i will say man if you're somewhere for two decades you better have a really really good reason <laughs> because it, it, yeah. in my opinion it's almost like you know I, I hear of people divorcing after 25 years and i'm like okay not not judging you but man that sucks to throw those yeah. 25 years away all the heartaches all the ups all the downs all the fights all the celebratory times it's like yeah. starting all over and yeah. oh man i i just uh, i feel so free in being like this this is my family and it would take something very monumental for me mm-hmm. to say you know what you you guys aren't healthy for me and but I I would make the same parallel. There are people who have had to say, my parents are not healthy for me. I love them, but I have to love them from afar. Yeah. You know, I, I've had two very, very close friends where I am aiming to love them unconditionally, 
but it's got to be from afar. And I never thought that would ever happen, but that, so, so I guess all I'm saying is sure. There are times when you may need to leave your church family, just like there are times when you may need to leave your own family, but it seems like both of those should be not, not, not a petty reason. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. I totally agree with that. Yep. So, all right. You're the, the, basically the last couple of sentences, there's no human community that has eradicated hypocrisy from its midst. Progress in love is our only aim. And Mm -hmm. I so agree with that, man. We have like such a in and out approach to church community and it's usually based on beliefs, yep. <laughs> especially in the context of, of what you're saying w- with your post. That's so problematic because mm-hmm. we, we just, we, I know we believe so strongly in certain things, but gosh, it's all partial. I mean, even Paul says we can, or, or Peter, whoever we can see so dimly right now, Yeah, but yeah. I, I do see where we got this from like, there are different scriptures in the Bible where I can see, I can see where people got this sort of pressure to, to feel this way. I, and I think it's because I lived it myself. Yeah. You know, there's certain verses that kind of alarm you into thinking, Oh, wow. I, I need to be able to give a reason for my belief. And instead of that being a very personal, relational, even supernatural experience of an explanation, we, we took that as, oh, we need to be an apologetic. <laughs> yeah. We, we need, we need to be the next Josh McDowell evidence right. that demands a verdict. And yeah, I, um, let me, I mean, I know we're wrapping up here, but I, yep. I want to say this, that evangelicalism has dominated the conversation for 100 years, if not beyond that, 150 years. And the reason why so many folks are deconstructing and leaving evangelicalism is because they don't know that there are other options. And and the truth is, there are some powerful intellectual thinking theologians who are doing wonderful interpretive work of the scriptures that are creating space within the gospel context where the news is so good that you read their work and you go, this cannot possibly be the, the, the whole story because this is just too good to be true. Yeah. And, and it might be, it might be that this wholesale rejection of this salvation message that we've received over the last few decades is actually a gift of the spirit to us because Jesus is really trying to redeem his church, like, like beautify, beautify his church. Yep. And, and, um, so I I've been reading I've been reading folks like Robert Capin, theologians like Robert Capin and 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 Chris Green and there's a there's a guy up in Michigan right now named Kenneth Tanner. These guys are all preaching a gospel that is just beautiful. 
I, I think yeah. that's the thing that I'm finding out is the good news is way better than I was ever. It was ever right. given to me as a young one. Right. You know? Right. Right. So, um, yeah. Imagine if if it is true that that Jesus secured victory for all of humanity, for, for the whole world. Imagine. So, so I, I will still use the word if I I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced, but hell, I don't know, but imagine if that was true. And imagine if we were ever at a place in the church to where that was the majority belief and, and the whole, and the Holy spirit even sealed that deal in our hearts. And we were so convinced, imagine evangelizing and what that would look like yeah oh my gosh yeah oh my gosh and and imagine a world where we weren't we weren't living like jesus was coming back next week where where the eschaton wasn't coming for another ten thousand years yeah and 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 the and jesus's real work was the renewal of the earth through the people of god it would totally change our communal imagination. We would go from buying guns and building bunkers in Montana to get, you know, getting ready for the Antichrist to actually viewing other people, our neighbors and our enemies as those created in the image of God, worthy of love and dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And that that becomes our actual vocational work as 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 quote the elect or the chosen you know my friend chris green he's he 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 takes that whole passage in romans where paul's talking about the elect and non-elect the vessels of honor and the vessels of dishonor he he speaks of those words of paul not as a not not distinguishing those who are going to heaven and those who are going to burn for eternity. But he says that the elect are only the elect for the sake of the non-elect. There's a particularity in the body of Christ and followers of Jesus for the benefit of the rest of the world in the same way that Abraham was chosen out of the world. The, 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 the Hebrew people were a particular nation they were chosen so that what you see it in the old testament text they would be a blessing to all nations and that's the heart of god is his heart is ultimately for the salvation of all people everywhere in all times and i just think um we need to we need to like get a hold of some books of some folks that are doing that kind of interpretation
Shores of 